Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Cynthia Kao and Josh Carter. Welcome, everyone, back to the Veteran Founder Podcast. My name is Cynthia Kao. Josh is out today, my co-host. But for those of you tuning in for the first time, um, we feature veterans who are entrepreneurs and founders with one more thing on their resume, and that is service to our country. This week, we're going to be featuring Zachary Green, um, U.S. Marine Corps veteran, firefighter, and international uh, bookseller. So, so welcome to the show, Zach. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited. Yeah. Where are you joining us uh, from? What part of the country? I'm actually in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Oh, it's beautiful there. It is. Uh, I lived in Cincinnati my entire life. Never thought I'd leave. And uh, with the pandemic, with taught all of us, we can pretty much work from anywhere now as long as we've got an internet connection. So I said, let's let's go work from the beach instead of uh, Cincinnati. I actually have a friend who's a developer and he managed to negotiate a contract where he's going to be touring the world for the next two years while working remote. Um, I honestly think like with everybody in burnout, this if you can still do your job and you're still delivering, hey, why not wake up to a beach or wherever you want to wake up to, you know, which is great. Well, um, the re- reality is, is, is it will never go back the way it was. I mean, if the pandemic was two or three months, that's one thing. We're going on, what is this month? 18 months, almost two years coming up. Almost two years, and yeah. The best scenario is going to be hybrid. Most people are going to be working from home and um, that's just the way it is. And, and that's one of the things I talk about in the book. And one of the things I talk about as a warrior trait is the ability to be adaptable because we all have to be able to flow. Some people will do well in this environment. Some people may not. Yeah. I'd love to dive in a little bit on uh, let's rewind history a little bit before, you know, we get into what you do now and um, a lot of the work that you've done with entrepreneurs. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your time in service. When did you get in and, you know, how long did you serve in the Marine Corps? Certainly. So, you know, ever since I was a very young kid, I wanted to be a Marine. I uh, was G.I. Joe every year for uh, Halloween. I'd be out playing in the woods and my friends would be out riding their bike and kicking soccer balls around. Uh, joined up for the Marine Corps probably within a week of my 18th birthday because my parents certainly didn't want me to do it and refused to sign when I was 17. I went through Paris Island back in 90, early 92. Um, I was trained as a fire direction controlman for artillery, uh, eventually was assigned to a cold weather infantry unit where I did, uh, fire direction control for mortars. Now keep in mind, this is in the nineties. We were still training for the Russians and Warsaw Pact countries to come over the top of Norway, which was where my area of operations were. Okay. Um, then went to Quantico and went through the officer candidate program. Um, and then as it was coming up time for graduation to get my commission, I was a you know corporal or maybe a lance corporal at the time. I, I decided, you know what? I, I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, we were during the Clinton years. There was a ton of attrition. Mm-hmm. There was no combat ap- deployments. I was in combat arms. I wanted to go out and fight. And when I got out, two years later, September 11th happened. And, and it really rocked me. You know, I had a lot of, I guess you would call it survivor's guilt and really felt horrible that I had left at that point in time and um, wasn't there to, to really do all 
the things that I was trained in and be there for my brother and sister uh, warriors. Yeah. So how long did you spend all together? You're 90, 92 and got out what, right before 2001? I got out in 99. You okay. know, um, the last two years was pretty much inactive reserve. So I wouldn't really call that I was technically serving at that point in time. But, mm-hmm. you know, most of my time was around 91 to probably 97 ish, I mm-hmm. would say. About about 50 pounds in 30 years ago. So it's kind of hard to remember <laughs> all of it. Yeah. And then so at what point did you become a firefighter? So pretty soon after September 11th, I realized I didn't just want to give back. I had to give back. I had to continue that service. So I joined probably in 2002 uh, and um, became a volunteer firefighter. I still had a full-time job at Eli Lilly where mm-hmm. I was in brand development, sales and marketing. Um, but, you know, the firefighting was my, my new passion. Nice. So how much uh, time did they expect from you as a volunteer firefighter? You know, it's all over the place. Initially, there was quite a bit of a commitment. You know, I I did a 120-hour training course that was spread out over a few months. We had times where literally we'd go a week and not get a single run. And then I had other times where I'd have five or six separate runs in a 24-hour period. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I would come home at 6, leave the house at 7 p.m. and not get home till 6 a.m. the next day. It's just very random. It, it, one thing that was common, though, is they seem to run in spurts. Um, the longer you had nothing that happened, the bigger the incident was that eventually happened. And it's kind of funny that that coincidence, tradition, whatever they want to call it. But in New York City, um, the days leading up to 9-11 was the slowest time, I think, on record for New York of not having any major incidents. And then September 11th happened. Yeah. That's when I worked in crisis on call social worker, I was a, a incident crisis responder and I worked very closely with um, police and firefighters. And uh, you know, I called it the calm before the storm because it was guaranteed like really calm, no incidents, no calls. And then all of a sudden you had like this massive event that would happen. And it would take in all hands. <laughs> and so I just remember it's 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 similar to the military. It's like that 1% of craziness and then the rest of it is just hurry up and wait. You know, and you train for that 1%. Yeah, what do they say? Periods of absolute boredom punctuated by moments of absolute fear and, and, and chaos. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like what, so what would you take away from your time in the Marine Corps? I think the Marine Corps, yeah, I've told my kids is it's like the biggest fraternity sorority you know it's like the biggest um branch in the world where you can meet a fellow marine after you get out not know them at all and suddenly they're like your brother and sister and uh i served in in the air force but um i have a lot of marine big brothers and family members that have just kind of adopted me in and I've been closer to them than I've been with other people that I've actually served with. So it's just a very unique culture to me. Then that's that way for a reason. Um, you know, the, the Marines, you don't um, join the Marines, you become a Marine. There's mm-hmm. a big difference there. Um, those intangibles of brotherhood, of esprit de corps, of teamwork, it is a very tight-knit unit, and, and that's really what my book is based off of, of what causes that? How did that come together? And what I started to realize is it's 
First of all, it's the intangibles. Second of all, it is what is that warrior's journey? Now, the warrior's journey, I thought I came up with. The reality is it's been around since Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey. And that is we all have a mission in our life. We all have some type of purpose, but we have to go through this journey to really fulfill that. And the, the warrior's journey starts with a lot of adversity and hardship. For me, it started at a very young kid. I had really bad ADHD in school, went to five or six different schools from kindergarten to high school, from parochial schools to private schools to public schools to Montessori schools. Now they call it ADHD when you're younger and it's a, it's considered a disability, but then it's called multitasking when you get out of school. And all of a sudden it's this great thing that everyone's like, Oh, he's a great multitasker. He can do all these different things at one time. <laughs> I, I consider it a superpower for me where I'm able to, to do all those different things at once. But that warrior's journey starts with that adversity. So the adversity we went through just at Paris Island and Quantico at OCS really, really difficult. When you suffer together, you tend to get, um, you start to bind together with other bond is, is really something else. Mm -hmm. But at some point in time, you're going to have a crucible. And the crucible is that crisis in your life, that whatever you've done up to that point is not enough to get you through it. You have to go through that crucible and that fight. Now, it could be a death of a family member. It could be a divorce. It could be a drug or alcohol problem. In my case, my crucible was thinking that I was going out of business and my business was failing. And what happens is in that crucible, there's two paths. The first path is the abyss. And in the abyss lies failure, lies giving up, lies ultimately death. And the philosopher Nietzsche once said, if you stare long enough into the abyss, eventually the abyss will stare back into you. Yeah. And what that means is you literally can get consumed by the abyss. And you've seen this with people that have been in really bad relationships. The more you're in there, the darker it gets, the harder it is to get away from it. Or we're dealing with those mental demons, the PTSD, the stress or whatever. And if you don't get help, it's so much harder to get out of that abyss. But to get through that abyss, you have to transform and change. And you have to conquer that crucible. You can't just survive. And that change is really what makes the warrior the warrior. And in my situation, when I was a firefighter, I got lost in a fire very early on. And I wanted to create and invent a product that would help other firefighters not have to go through what I went through. And I invented this glow-in-the-dark material that could help firefighters reduce disorientation, increase accountability, find their way around a little bit better. I started selling it out of the trunk of my car. I literally made 5,000 bucks in about a six-month time period. I then went to this large trade show where, um, you know, the largest firefighter trade show in the country. And in three days, I sold over $100,000 worth of product. Wow. Now, the problem was I had no money to make it. I had no production facilities. I had no way to fulfill these orders. And everyone's like, Zach, you can't take these orders. I'm like, no, I'm a Marine. I'll find a way. You know, mission accomplishment, overcome, adapt, improvise, do whatever you have to do to figure this out. And for me, it was refinancing my home, maxing out my credit cards, having to raid my 401k. And as the company was growing, um, eventually I had my crucible where I thought we were running out of money. And I got a call from my CFO. It was only probably about three or four years ago. And he said, Zach, you know, we've only got about three more days worth of runway left and it's over. Oh, wow. And I thought I was having a heart attack. My, my chest got tight. I could feel these, you know, electrical shocks running down my arm. I lost my breath. I couldn't breathe. 
And I realized, no, it's actually not a heart attack. It was a panic attack. Mm -hmm. It was my body saying, hey, something's really wrong. My transformation, the, the crucible that I conquered at that time was I stepped down as CEO of the company that I started. My baby, and I got rid of, I didn't say get rid of it. I just had to change and bring someone else in. Mm-hmm. Because I was the limiting factor. I was the, and that transformation that occurred from there where I realized I'm a better founder than CEO. I'm a visionary. I'm not somebody that's going to be a detailed guy. Yeah. And we, we grew the company into close to $30 million as of uh, you know this year. Wow. I don't know if you've heard of what happened last week when the Twitter CEO stepped down, but I it was all over the media. And, you know, uh, one of the Jeff things that here. I've... One of yeah, one of the things that I've really been appreciative of are founders that recognize the value that other perspectives can bring in. When you're able to say, "Hey, I might have some blind spots here that I'm not aware of, and it's hurting the organization. How do I bring in somebody with a fresh pair of eyes?" And that's not to say that you didn't do the job well. You ran your company for years. You know, you grew that from the ground up. Um, but like, at what point in time were you able to say, Hey, I'm going to put my pride aside and bring somebody else in. Cause that's a, that's a huge step for a founder. I can't imagine that most people are willing to do that. I would say there was both a push and a pull that was going on, you know, about a year or two prior, um, I raised a couple of million dollars in venture capital. And one of the things when you have venture capital, they become partners in your company and they have some level of control and, and they started the conversation, which I would wanted to hear absolutely nothing of it. And I was not realizing that it's a completely different skill set to grow and start a company than it is to run a company. When you start a company, you need to be innovative. You need to be creative. You need to be that multitasker. Mm-hmm. But when you run a company, especially a larger company, those it's almost the opposite. You have to be super focused. You have to be really detail-oriented. You really have to worry on completion, where for me, I try to do a bunch of different ideas. So that started the process. I still was arrogant. I still had my hubris, but it was that crisis that I needed. That crucible was Mm -hmm. the one that really smacked me in the face and said, you have to do something now, because if you don't, my alternative was the abyss. And the reality is, had my company failed at that time, I don't know if I could have mentally survived. I mean, I really don't know if I could have, because Everything was wrapped up in that. I was somewhat of a celebrity in the area in Cincinnati on all the news channels, constantly getting press and PR, doing public speaking. I was connected to this. And if I had gone out there and been a failure, because the number one thing for Marines and for warriors is is to not accomplish your mission is just, you know, you can't even describe how horrible that is. And I realized the only way that I was not going to accomplish the mission was if I kept things going the way they were, I had to transform. I had to make a change. And not only did I get better and my mental health get better because I realized I was doing something I loved, which was being the visionary and the spokesman, Mm -hmm. but the company really started to excel at that point too. That's great. And then you were able to grow other people, other leaders <laughs> into into so, roles where you could delegate and, uh, you know, bring them into where their forte was. Well, thank you for sharing that, because I think the hallmark of a true leader 
as someone that makes other leaders. If you haven't really made other leaders, you're not a true leader. You may be a good manager. You know, managers check the box off. They make sure you're doing things right. Leaders do the right things. Leaders inspire you to do better. They help develop you to, into your best self. And we've all seen them in the military. You know, there's one guy that says, hey, you know, you didn't turn left when you were supposed to turn right. That's a management. And the other one says, hey, you know, let's have some personal pride. Let's practice a little bit more so you don't let your platoon down when you turn left and everybody else turns right. And, and that's something I, I think we miss a lot, when, especially when you get out of the military. Yeah. One of the things that you said that really resonated with me, and this is something we've never talked about on the Veteran Founder Podcast, but it occurred in other conversations I've been having with other entrepreneurs and founders, is the external pressure that you receive of rising rising past the bar you've already set for yourself. You know, by that, I mean, you know, you've received uh, international acclaim, you're well known in your area, you know, people are like, oh, this is a major, you know, I'm sure you're being called by the local chamber of commerce to speak at events and other founders hitting you up. And I hear this from other founders, I've reached my peak, right? I created this thing and I got all these awards. And now what? <laughs> now what? And so then there's there's this pressure, there's this external pressure, and then there's an internal pressure to one, beat your own record and to live up to this expectation that everybody has of you. Like, how do you, do you hear about this often or like, how my do you God, that? I mean, I wish you could see my face when you're talking. I'm absolutely just dumbfounded because it is so true. I, when I got the award as um, entrepreneur of the year uh, mm -hmm. for all of the chambers of commerce in Ohio, I was let down. And because my thing was, well, what do I do next? You know, right. there is no national chamber award. What's my next thing? For me, it was always about the challenge. It was always about the battle. It was never about the destination. I knew I was going to be successful. That's not an issue. So what I think in these type of things is, is when you have success in that warrior mindset, it's expected. But if you fail, it's 10 times worse than it would be for failure for somebody else mm -hmm. because you just expect to be able to achieve that level. So for me, it's, it's about constantly reinventing myself. You know, I reinvented myself two, three years ago when I stepped down as CEO and focused more on being a visionary. I'm reinventing myself now through the book and the, the warrior framework training program that I'm putting together and the consulting company I'm creating. For me, it's more fun to have that journey than the destination. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody who is in that spot, who is searching for that? Okay, I've reached this pinnacle. What else do I do? And, and how do you shake off the pressure from everybody else having these expectations of you? You know, that so they, I, you keep going down the same road you have been, but you're trying to pivot and other folks are saying, I don't know about that because we don't see you doing that. I'm a firm believer that pressure and stress are good things. I think one of the problems we have as a community and a society is we try to take pressure and stress away. We're giving our kids participation trophies. We're telling them, uh, you know, to have, go to a safe space when they feel like they're being challenged, especially in, you know, the college campuses, which is the time that's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the first thing is, is embrace that challenge. And I think the next thing is the best way to do it, just go onto YouTube or go onto any Google search, type in Simon Sinek, uh, power of why, or, or something oh, yeah. around the word why yep. what he talks about is most people are focusing on the, what they do or how they do it, but the brands and the people that focus on their why really have that level of fulfillment that that's special. Mm -hmm. And so I would challenge people 
with the question you just asked me, what is your why? Is it about you or is it about a problem that you're solving? Is it about you or is it about a movement? Is it about you or is it about the other people? And constantly focus on what that why is. And now my journey is helping my brother and sisters in the military and as first responders go through a successful entrepreneurial journey, um, not make some of the same mistakes that I did, show them how adversity helps them grow. You know, iron sharpens iron. The warrior's journey is about resistance. It's about conflict. It's about using that to grow and to get better and better each time so that when you give back to others. And for me, my journey never stopped at the business. Mm -hmm. That was just another step in that journey. And I ultimately want to get to the point where I'm giving back even when I'm not alive on this earth anymore because of the systems I put into place, the people I've inspired, the people I've trained continues to go on long after my time on earth is here. And that for me is the real why, is constantly giving back and making my other brother and sisters warriors safer, more fulfilled. And in the environment we're in now, the biggest threat to our military is not the enemy. It's, it's PTSD. Mm-hmm. It's our mind. And to show them how you can use that purpose and find a new purpose, even when you hang your uniform up, that you're still serving. You just may not be serving in the uniform. Um, and finding that whatever your why is. And that's where I'm passionate about is how can I help you develop your why, expand your why, and and, and have it really make a difference for you and, and others. That's amazing. That's a lot of the work I do as well is, is, you know, folks that are transitioning out that have spent, you know, almost the last 20 years in service at a war that they might not have even been born yet you know my my youngest son is just entering the air force now and he's 18 and he wasn't around during 9-11 so you know there's a lot of folks that are trying to find their why they're getting out and still trying to find their identity even when you take off that uniform and uh you know i wanted to ask you you said there you know everybody comes to a point where you utilize a crisis to either you stay in the abyss or you push forward So, I mean, just talking about the pandemic as an example, I'm sure there's a lot of other crises that we all go through. Um, But how many entrepreneurs have you seen that didn't make it through the pandemic? And for the ones that did, what were the differences? So 90% of entrepreneurs don't make it to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And the reason they fail is one common thread. It's the same thing for everyone. They gave up. That's not to say it's okay. Um, It's not okay to give up. It's perfectly okay to give up. Eventually, enough is enough. But there is a solution to every single problem that's out there. Now, some of us don't want to solve those problems because the solutions are too difficult. In my case, it was the bank said, yeah, I'll give you money, but you're going to put your house up as collateral. That's a pretty big push that a lot of people wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. Some of the sacrifices you can make is, is putting the business above your family. For me, traveling 150 nights a year for five consecutive years, virtually not spending any time at home. Um, those are all sacrifices that needed to happen. Um, you, you can say, well, it's money or it's sales. BS. If it's sales, find a better salesperson. If it's money, there's ways you can find money. There's multiple different avenues that are out there. So to your question specific about COVID, 
my company, my main business was selling exit signs that don't need batteries, light bulbs, or electricity. I was able to use the same glow-in-the-dark material on the fire gear that we can use on exit signs. There's a little loophole in the fire and building code that says the exit sign just has to be visible for 90 minutes in the darkness. It doesn't have to be electrified or use lights or batteries. Mm -hmm. It just has to be visible. I use that glow-in-the-dark. But all of a sudden, the pandemic kicks in. I'm not calling on businesses. You know, our business was big box retail stores. It was class A office buildings. They were all shut down. Mm -hmm. So I needed to do something. And what we did is we pivoted. The first thing I looked is what's the problem we can solve? Well, I realized really quickly, these barriers were going to be a big thing about for people that couldn't maintain that six foot distancing. I was already using a ton of this quarter inch plexiglass. And so we started to really buy a bunch of it right in those very early weeks. Now, mm -hmm. had the pandemic not lasted, it probably would have put us out of business. There's no way we would have been able to do something with all that material. But what happened was we were pre-positioned. We did everything I learned in the military about assessing the risk and the problem having that pre-plan, you know, logistics and supply wins wars. That's how it is, the sustainability. And I really beefed up our logistics. And we became, within about six to nine months, Home Depot's number one supplier of COVID protective barriers and ended up having the biggest year we had in the history of our company because we were adapting, we changed, we were flexible, we were creative. And you constantly have to continue to do that um, in today's society. Wow, that's COVID amazing. or not. COVID doesn't matter. It's, it's yep. just change. Exactly. It could be any crisis. And, you know, tell me a little bit about your own, like adapting to your own crisis. I mean, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. You know, what if <laughs> I know a lot of people, including myself who have hit a crisis and some of them I've rebounded back and been really creative. And then there are other times where you just kind of feel stuck. Like what happens when something hits you and you just get blindsided and you're stuck, whether it's personal, a tragedy, you know, whether it's business related. Um, Cause I know that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there and a lot of folks that I know who have just tremendous abilities and, and then a crisis hits and they're just kind of like, can't pivot and can't move. Um, what do you do to get out of that? Uh, first advice I would say is go out and get my book and read it. Cause I've got chapters <laughs> upon chapters specifically talking about that and what you can do around it. The human body is one of the most incredible creations ever made. Your body is set up when it faces that crucible, that monumental moment. Now it could be a, a shark coming at you at the beach. It could be your business going under. It could be uh, realizing the boogeyman's in your house, whatever. So you have what's called the sympathetic and the parasympathetic systems in your body. This goes all the way back to caveman day when we we're getting chased around by the saber-toothed tigers. You're going to either fight or you're going to flight. And there's actually some research that's now showing it's not just fight or flight. It's fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. Now, when that situation happens, your body's going to do a couple things. First of all, it's going to release a ton of adrenaline. That's going to make your heart beat faster. That's going to get more muscles flowing into your, or more blood flowing into your muscles. You're going to release what's called cortisol. Cortisol is going to inject sugars into your system. It's like a caffeine jolt or whatever. It's going to make your pupils dilated. It's going to be more blood flowing to your brain. It's going to get you ready for that fight. Now, 
if you're in the flight thing, that's going to all turn to panic and fear and you're going to run away or you're going to freeze. But the warrior is going to learn how to do that. And the only way you can learn how to do that is you have to be able to go through struggle and conflict. When you go through what you go through at, at, at Marine recruit training, when you go through those trainings over and over again, when you're facing that difficult situation, you're going to be able to use all those things that your body gives to you and you're going to use them to your benefit. If you're not used to that, you're going to freeze. Yeah. What I tell that's fascinating is if you've ever been in a car accident or know someone's been in a car accident, the first thing they'll always tell you is everything slow down right before impact. Mm -hmm. That's your body's way of actually giving you super senses to realize what's going on in there. So for me, I had a lot of challenges early on in my business, challenges all throughout that prepared me for that crucible. Because the reality is had I hadn't had that, I probably would have jumped off the balcony when, and I'm dead serious, I would have jumped off the balcony of the hotel I was in when my CFO had that call. But what I did is I took a moment, I recognized the abyss, I honored it. I knew it was there. And I said, I'm not going to stay too far to the abyss. I'm going to go ahead and transform and change. But I had to figure out what was it that I was going to do. I had to do something different. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was stepping down as, as CEO and getting through that. But there's very specific things we can do to train our body. And, and my book has a lot of those details of the science behind that. Nice. I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's in your future? What are some things that um, you're looking forward to? So thank you for asking. So I I really feel, you know, the book, I want this book to start a movement. And that movement is going to be the warrior framework, how we can take those warrior attributes in our life and make us have a life more fulfilling and giving. So within the next month or so, I'm going to start a warrior 90-day program. It's going to be more designed for entrepreneurs, startup, business owners, people that kind of want to climb up that ladder, but it's really for anybody. And we're going to go through every week, different chapters and different things in the books. And there's going to be exercises and questions and homework that comes around there. So when you complete that 90-day course, you really will have that warrior attitude to accomplish anything. And then starting middle of next year, I've been recruiting a series of flag level officers, people from um, other different intelligence agencies and other areas. And we're going to create a B2B framework where we go into businesses, we teach them innovation and creativity like an entrepreneur, but you're going to have the accountability, the framework, and the discipline of the military. And we're going to do it in a way where it's going to be very experiential based. Mm -hmm. So rather than just sitting you down for two days and giving you PowerPoints, we're going to give you a couple hours of PowerPoint to come up with some common nomenclature. We're going to give you some actual leadership tools that you can use in your business to solve problems, to run meetings. But then we're going to take you outside and we're going to run you through actual combat courses that we ran the Marines. So you can actually physically see it in action and and learn how those intangibles absolutely play into solving different types of problems. Hmm. That's great. I love that community aspect because I often feel like you know, there's a lot of resources out there for entrepreneurs. I think the biggest uh, challenge that I see with veterans is missing that community and missing that accountability. I think accountability is a, is a really big thing, even for founders, because when you know that somebody else is holding you accountable and somebody's going to check in with you and go, hey, since the last time we talked, what changed? You know, and then you're going to have the answer for that. So, um, Well, you're right. And, and the goal of this team that I'm going to put together is you have to be an, a veteran. 
Mm-hmm. You have to have someone that's been through those challenges to help teach that. There's three things that really cause the downward spiral of PTSD that ultimately ends up in suicide. The first one is as soon as you get out, you don't take care of your body. I'm a perfect example of that. I gained almost 50 pounds almost overnight. I've never been able to lose it 30 years later. So when your body starts to to lose what it was when it was a warrior that's tied into your mental health, your spirituality, everything else. The second thing that happens is you lose your tribe. That is the number one thing in the military is when you suffer together, you tend to be closer together. They understand you, they get you. Mm -hmm. You may not even be friends with some of those people, but you would literally give your life for them and do anything for them. But the third thing that really causes that PTSD to raise its ugly head is you lose your sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important. It could be any, your purpose could be anything from just going to church more or volunteering at, uh, you know, in the Boy Scouts or finding a job that's very fulfilling, finding that purpose, sharing that team, having that battle buddy. Those are all critical skills that we need to do as warriors. And if you're noticing one of the your fellow warriors not doing it, you have the responsibility to, to work with them to make them do it, yeah. even if they don't want to. I absolutely love how you broke that down into the three steps, because I think that as a society, a lot of people have been concerned about how, how do we tackle veteran suicide? And I've always said, it's not how do we tackle veteran suicide and how do we prevent veteran suicide? It's understanding the complex problem behind it and, you know, understanding how when transitioning service members get out, there is a major cultural shift. There's a major identity shift. And exactly what you said, finding your tribe, finding your purpose. And, you know, even for me, I had a recent injury and I couldn't I couldn't work out the way I was used to. And it literally it did take a toll on my mental health, just not being able to move and not being able to like challenge my body in the way that I'm used to in the military, that was very kind of self-defeating for me. And I started to recognize that. I started to realize, oh man, why am I just like agitated and sad and like not coping very well? Well, I'm not working out. Like I'm not able to do what I'm, what my stress relief is normally. And so being self-aware, yeah, they're all tied tied. in. The first step was stopping, you know, it's like that stop, drop and roll, stop (laughs) and literally assess what's going on. I I think sometimes we can get caught up with, oh my gosh, this is happening and I've got to be reactive, right? But we're not actually assessing what the problem is. And the second thing is we can literally sit there and ruminate about the problem and overthink it. And, and so like that whole stop, drop and roll concept is like, take action, Um, do something different, change and reiterate. And, uh, you know, I really like what you said and broken it down into those steps. Like if for the last really main question is like, what would you say to our listeners out there as lessons learned? Like, how how can you help them other than your book? Like right now, if they're just listening in and you want to get them into this program, how do you how can you give them some tools to walk away with now to learn and pivot a little bit different than what has been done? Yeah, so I I think you and I are touching on two really important points, which is the mind, the body. I think there's a third component to complete that triangle, Mm -hmm. and that's the spirit, Mm -hmm. Uh, the mind, the body, and the spirit. Now, it could be religion. I'm not saying it has to be religion, but there has to be a higher power. There has to be something. That higher power could just be the love of your country. The higher power could be the community and the bond you create with other people. It could be religion, whatever. But there has to come a point in time when you have to surrender to the fact that there's not answers to all those questions, especially those really 
difficult, mentally challenging questions and have that faith that something else bigger is going to help that for you. So that's the thing I would talk about is all three of those need to be in balance and then to be that. The second thing is don't feel sorry for yourself. When Mm -hmm. people feel sorry for themselves, it's because they're usually embarrassed of something or they didn't have something that was good. And what I do is I always try to turn that script around and actually have pride in that. So let's take, for example, you've got one kid that grew up, uh, you know, didn't have a father. Mom worked her tail off to get him through school. He gets into college. He's got to work two jobs to make it through college. And he really, really struggles. Then you got another kid that's got wealthy parents that, you know, constantly yells at the coach when they're not getting enough playing time on the soccer field. They have safe spaces in college. They don't have to have debates. They get participation trophies. When both of those people come out and they come work for me and I end up chewing their ass out because they messed something up, the first one's going to be like, okay, sir, no problem. We'll move on. The other one's going to be just crushed. So for those people in there in the military that, that have fallen into that situation where you maybe didn't have as good things as other ones, wear that as a badge of honor. That is really what sets you apart. And that's really what you need to embrace and honor that makes you a warrior. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for attending our show today. I've learned so much just from this dialogue. I'm sure we'll have many other conversations. Can't wait till your book comes out. Um, How can people find out about your book? Where can we buy it? And how can people reach you? Sure. So the book is out now. I actually made a bestseller status on Amazon within the first week. Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Kobo, anywhere books are sold. The best way, though, is to go to warriorentrepreneurbook.com, the website, warriorentrepreneurbook.com. If you type in the code podcast2021, podcast2021, uh, you can get 50% off on the book. Um, in addition, please sign up for the contact us page there and you'll get first information about the warrior framework training that'll be launching here in the next couple of weeks. Wonderful. It's been awesome to have you on the show and to all of our listeners. Uh, this probably will be our last live aired show before the holidays. So from everyone at the Startup Radio Network, from Josh Carter and I here at the Veteran Founder Podcast, we've um, loved having you on, listening, participating, asking questions. Tag us on LinkedIn or our other social media. And we'd love to see you again in 2022. Thank you all for listening. Listen, learn and get shit done. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.